Can't get enough of Cthulhu and Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome, friends, to a very special and potentially somber episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, and I am joined by the entire team tonight, but things have... uh, taken a dark turn and we want to get right into this so we may talk to them a little bit after the episode but for right now we're going to dispense with some of the introductions that we try to do and get their opinions on how their characters feel right now because that's potentially going to change quite a bit when we last left off uh listeners you'll remember that there had been a tragedy and um it was day one of the festival of indra jartra and this is a festival for uh the people of uh Kathmandu to celebrate the harvests and the the fertility of the land, the fact that they're still able to live in this remote area of the world and function and and produce enough food for their families and their loved ones. So there's a, a massive amount of pouring of people into the city. One of the things that they wanted to take care of, which we couldn't last time, was Professor John had met with a holy man uh, who told him that something broken could be fixed. And um, he had some theories about that, but the teams split up and I, John was going to, I'm the way I understood it, try to ascertain a little bit more information since this man will be here for several days. He's the hermit Scott who came down from the mountains, lives alone yep. somehow. Yeah. So that I met in the temple. We were both meditating. Yeah. So he gave you this real cryptic answer, and now it's that was the day before, but now it's the day of the festival. And uh, the way we played it last time because of some scheduling issue, we said that you were on your way there anyway. Would that have been probably, I mean, that would have been the right call, right? I agree. Yeah. So you make your way back to the temple. It's about 2 p.m., and uh, you get there. The, the man is sitting. He's got people gathered around him. One man comes up to you and nods and greets you. And he says, um, the master is uh, speaking at the moment. You hear nothing. You, you don't hear him talking. Everyone's eyes are kind of closed. <laughs> he says, but if you follow the silence. And he points to a place in front of him about six rows back. He says, you will be able to understand the teachings he gives today. Please. So he leads I you over. bow to him and, and uh, follow him. And uh, he, you take his shoes off the whole very standard thing. It's it's a it's a nice day in Kathmandu. It's it's a really really warm seventy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably like seventy two degrees tops. And um, mm-hmm. you go and you sit down. And the minute you get into position, you um, within a few seconds of just kind of sitting and doing your breathing and and getting your headspace, you pick up on what must be some side sort of spiritual or cosmic transmission. And in a voice that does sound like the old man yesterday, he just quietly begins to talk to, you know, to everyone there about the spirituality, what it takes to create life, how easy it is to end life. The fight is always to go beyond the cycle to find your, the, the final place where you can, your spirit can find peace and harmony. And he does all this Eastern philosophy that's very much 
a cauldron mix in his verse of Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism and th that whole bit. So it's it's a it's a melding of some philosophies together. And this goes on for about 35, 40 more minutes. Finally, it, it you know, a lot of people seem to be blinking their eyes open. And you get this last piece of conversation before, you know, you're kind of, you hear that the breathing is, is normal. People are starting to move around you, but you haven't come all the way out. And he says, have you brought me what is broken? Pardon me, master, but I'm afraid I don't know what you speak of. There were moments of uh, great violence, moments of and desperation and loneliness, those moments have resonated from the past. And someone you care for was forced to make a choice, a decision. She gave up her final connection, a item of power that needed to be discharged in order to save her and keep her with you in the past. But that violence seems to be coming full circle. That item is broken. I did not bring it with me. Well, if you know what it is, perhaps next time you can. Thank you, Master. He's, I will endeavor to do so. He says, John. And is, you feel the need to open your eyes. Do you want to open them? I do. You look and you're sitting directly in front of him. You've moved 25 feet closer and dead center. You're about five paces away from him. Still in the he seat. hasn't moved, but no. I have. Somehow you are now directly in front of him. The rest of okay. the this temple space is empty. Um, the other attendants, people that were in meditative state are gone. It's just you sitting. He's on one step slightly higher. You know, they raise, uh, you know, a small little area for those who are leading a, a, you know, some form of meditation. So everyone can focus energy to him. But he's there. You're You're close enough almost to touch him. You're, and like, you're like, wow, this is not where I was sitting. And you see a small tear begin to descend from his cheek. And he says, it's no longer broken. It is lost. John starts to sort of get a, a, a dawning thought. And he kind of desperately says, what, what do you mean? You can take a child's toy and break it, and it can be fixed. But take away the child... And if no one plays with that toy again, it is no longer really a toy. It's gone. John kind of um, digests what he's saying, and he has a fear, and he stands up and runs out of the temple. You, uh, streets are super crowded. People are mulling about. The parades, uh, the parade has started every small little uh, family of any type of wealth and uh, or, you know, standing in the area and every every tavern, uh, every hotel, hot, everything that's sort of like a center point of life or has a real connection to Kathmandu has created their own floats. And the floats are now being carried around the central plaza. It's now closer, you know, you thought the speech was only 35 minutes, but it's closer to like, you look at your watch as you're moving and you're like, what time is it? What are, I got to get where am I, you know, you're. You're thinking, I gotta move, and it's almost 4 p.m. Uh, okay, so like two hours went by. Yeah, yeah, it felt like about 35 minutes, but it was it's almost 4 p.m. Yeah, it's right about right before four. I I just push and rush my way through the crowd as as best as I can. I want to get back to our quarters. To your quarters. So 
um, what's set up? I don't know if John remembers. I mean, I, this or this may have been revealed last time. Scott Dalsha Hotel is where everyone was sort of staying. Uh, are you talking mm -hmm. about going back to the hotel? Or are you looking to go back? I mean, that's where you were thinking of is the, the hotel. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you make yeah. your way towards the Dalsha. Where hotel. I would find the rest of our party. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you make your way there with, you know, it takes about 15 minutes, 20 minutes pushing through the crowd. Uh, Faye, uh, Catherine, the two of you are together. You're with um, Torgi's wife. You come out with the tea. She's very, very thankful. She knows that the two of you would never, you know, betray her secret or make her feel any way, shape or form guilty about her choices. You know, these are decisions sometimes women make. They have to. It's, you know, it's to protect the family themselves. She knows that. While he's a good man, it would be a rough life for his daughters if she were not there during these, you know, formative years. And it, it, it's a tough conversation, but the two of you handled it. She's almost smiling. She's She feels really good about being in this, this space. It's close to 4 p.m. Where do you want to go? She's going to head back to the, the depot. I know that uh, Faye wanted to explore a little bit with, with Catherine, but I mean, it doesn't have to happen well, Just if now, that was the plan, like, that's what happens. You guys mill about through the festival can, and make your way. And we can yeah. slowly make our way back. We can mill. We can chat. I have my yeah. catman do satchel. I want to fill it with goodies. Catherine, give me a sanity check. A sanity check? Yeah. <laughs> I just talked about my satchel. Why do I need a sanity check? Just give me a sanity check. An evil satchel. 14. Okay. So all the beautiful grilled fruits and street meats and other things don't seem to be luring you quite as maybe because <laughs> Catherine's like, Oh, Oh, is that marinated? Faye, you know, <laughs> that looks delicious. Cause I know that there's in every RPG character, there is a small part of each player I know. And for Catherine Ross, I'm saying that she has a, a love of street food very much like you do, Lauren. So I don't, you know, you rolled well enough where, she can walk past it and not feel the need to drop a couple of, uh, I don't even know what Napoli's currency would be. Uh, all right. So, yeah, you uh, you t spend the next hour or so going through the crowd, listening to the music. It's a lot of symbols. There's a lot of. It's it's. Yeah, that can get. Yeah. Sid, yeah. you finish another pint. Uh, your climbing friend. Uh, makes his way, you know, he had left you about a half hour ago. It's now close to 4 p.m. Would you also be heading back? Or, I mean, the day's young, uh, you know, would you be trying to go around and see the rest of this festival, get a you know, a sense of what's going on in the town? Or would you make your way to the hotel? Yeah, I think I would most likely mill about uh, the town. I, you know, my original um, mandate is that I wanted to enjoy the festival with the people because I had been there before and I really liked the people. And I liked being there. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to say that probably my conversation with the German guy bothered me, the German hiker, because mm -hmm. it just didn't seem right. And for a hiker, he was dressed awfully well in a suit. Well, he's so, a, he's not on duty hiking today. Right, right, right. But I mean, you're in a suit. In you're, you're a hiker. Am I in a suit? Wouldn't you be? Um, <laughs> It's casual. No, no. It's not I don't naked in partying in Kathmandu. An English gentleman in the 30s would always be in a suit. I, I guess I just thought possibly like a turtleneck sweater. I don't know. Oh, you know um, what? With a, with a jacket? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Make sure you have elbow patches. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and your peep. So I... Uh... <laughs> so no naked parties? Not now. 
This no, isn't not, Conan. That's later. That's later. Yeah, no, I think I probably would go out and then sort of mill about and then also kind of keep an eye on, see if I see this guy again and see mm-hmm. if he meets up with any other people and was his story sort of legit or, or was it something that I need to report back to everybody. So this is how this is going to go. Sid, Faye, and Catherine, everybody roll me a D6. Four. I also rolled six. <laughs> Never good. Never good. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not liking this. Did you roll, Catherine? Yes, I rolled a six. I rolled a six. The ladies... Okay, so John, you're back at the hotel, and nobody is there in the rooms. Uh, You are alone. Okay. I look around to see if there's any indication of, you know, where they would be. Anybody left a note or... Everybody, before they had set off for the day, had kind of indicated... um, Catherine and Faye said they were dealing with Torgi's wife... uh, Aveline said she wanted to go talk to someone from the underground, and she set out first. She was looking into this contact of Ying Ko, and Sid said he was going to just enjoy the festival and, you know, just hang out for the okay. day. Yeah. I think um, I think I would leave the room and go to uh, Torgi's house, see if they've seen anybody. Okay. Because that's a... where we were the night before, right? Yeah, that's definitely... If, okay. it, if everybody's base of operation, you know, you sleep at the Dalsha, but everybody was hanging at, at, at Torgi's. Go ahead and give me a luck roll, please. Okay. That is a 26. So that is a success. You sense you're being followed. Like to the hotel? No, or out of I the hotel. To go once, to... Yeah, when you come out of the hotel, if, the minute you leave the lobby, you start walking and there's a lot of people milling about and everything. But for some reason, you are just getting this odd sensation of the hairs on the back of your neck standing up do i see um are are there any like nearby you know shops or public buildings that i could duck into yeah there's a telegraph office there's public shops everywhere i mean kiosks it's perfect yeah so telegraph office i i as casually as possible turn and walk into the telegraph office okay and then when i'm in um, you know, through the threshold and, and you know, in, in the building, I hurry over to a window and try to spy out the window to see if I notice anybody that's standing out from the crowd. Okay, go ahead and give me a spot hidden roll. That is an 11. On my spot hidden, that is a critical success. You, for a moment, see a someone dressed in a red top and black pants, a woman, perhaps, dodge back into the crowd. Uh, Looked like they may have been heading towards the telegraph office, but um, it's the most... The color is what caught your eye. It wasn't so much that you're you're dead certain this is the person who was following you, but they were making their way in that direction and then veered off. So you have this sense that it could have been... Did they look local? No. The quick glance you got, they looked like they were European. I'm going to... um stay in here you know i kind of look around to make sure i'm not ruffling any feathers like if people are looking at me like what's going on no it's busy and if i can if i can casually stay by the window i'm going to stay in here for a few minutes and just observe and see if i see anything suspicious and if not then uh leave and continue on my way you don't see the red shirt again uh you don't see anybody that's catching your eye most people are na- are you know native to the area there are, mm-hmm. in this building itself, though, there are quite a few foreigners to Nepal. 
because they're sending messages home or arranging transportation and they're part of, you know, they're in the sure. festival. Yeah. So the telegraph office, while being manned by several men and women from Nepal, you know, locals, the customers in line and sending telegraphs and receiving telegraphs and stuff like that are very much from the West. About 15 minutes goes by and you do not see that person again in the crowd. Not seeing anything suspicious or anybody walking by or anything standing out. I leave the telegraph office and continue on my way to, to Torgi's. Okay. Um, but I, I think I would be a, a bit heightened looking around, watching, you know, side streets as I, as I pass along where I'm going. Just to see, you know, looking for anything that stands apart from the festival that's going on. You check your guns, make sure everything's where it's supposed to be. You kind of do the double pat, that kind of yep. thing. Yeah, you're fine. Yep. Yeah, wallet's in place, money's good. Nothing seems to be out of the or- out of the ordinary at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just could be someone walked across the grave concept of just something weird is happening with something and that you're connected to. And you make your way a little bit deeper into the festival, into the crowd. Uh, You come to Torgi's and it's now close to five o'clock. Go ahead and before you, you know, you come into the, it's a little encampment, right? It's, it's got a small fence. It's just for security because they have a lot of supplies. Yeah. Courtyard where there's a shed and, you know, all kinds of the backpacks have been laid out and they've been laid out with tarps over them for days. They've been trying to get everything ready because the idea is to leave in the next third, you know, three days. So 72 hours. Go ahead and give me another. And I, I hate to waste that crit roll, but go ahead and give me another good spot hidden roll. That is a 98. OK, so we're not going to there's nothing really bad that happened here that would be like, oh, my God, the crit you're on heightened senses. So everything, though, appears normal. Like, right. I'm not going to penalize a a crit roll on an, a bystander thing in the crowd and then give you a crit roll fail on something else. That's really not right. So okay. there's no penalty for this. You just happen to be standing alone in the courtyard and you just, everything appears to be normal. Though when you turn to the house, the front door is open, which is not super uncommon as they come in and out a thousand times a day, but you're not seeing or hearing any movement and you don't, nothing, like there's no, nothing going on in the crowd. Uh, in this area, like where, you know, so the fact that the doors open just kind of makes you go, well, they should shut that. Like, you know, I don't get it. And you walk over, I'm assuming towards the building. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I would be, you know, going to head in, knock on the door. You give a quick tap, open the door. And in the office, as soon as you start to open the door, uh, you are greeted with a dead body. It's one of six you see in the area the body has his its hands tied behind its back and it has been shot at very close range with a single bullet to the back of the head and he's clearly dead there's nothing i can do for him no they're the they're all dead do i recognize them uh one of them is the young boy timo from one of the porters that was here uh, matter of fact you all the faces as you as you're standing there in horror um at the at the just senseless need for this violence in in Kathmandu they're all recognizable you know as a matter of fact the second uh the lead to Torgi his second climber was uh Pogel and he's there as well the only um, oh, no. yeah the only person you don't see in this is is Torgi his he's not here I pull one of my weapons I I don't know if whoever did this is still here trying to take the scene in I I I move into the room and as best as I can remembering those times of of Aveline clearing the mansion in 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 Britain I try to uh 
I try to mimic that as best as I can and, uh, you know, start checking, you know, around the corners and moving towards the door. And Okay. And, yeah. Um, so you go into the office space itself. The maps on the wall are splattered with blood. Um, the ones that do the, the, the different ranges of mountains. The ones all over his desk, some of them are lying on the floor. You see multiple shoe prints. Um, as if someone had stepped in a little bit of mud or, or dirt, you see there's definitely booted feet, booted with a hard sole and heel. Uh, that's there. And as you cross around behind the big table that they use for all the meetings and everything in the front part of the office, there is a body lying on the ground and a massive smear of blood up against the wall. Um, and this body happens to also have its hands tied and... Its hair is down and it's long and it's Aveline. Oh, God. Oh, Keeper, why'd you have to have me be the one that finds her? Because so. everyone else is enjoying the festival for four to six hours. <laughs> Still rocking oh, around. Oh, God. John, um, he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to believe what he's saying. It should be something else. Yeah, it's, it's it's uh, it's his mind playing tricks with him, and he kind of turns away, looks around the rest of the room. Is there something else to see? Realizes he's not really looking around the room. He just doesn't want to look back at what he just saw. It, it comes to your mind that there are daughters. There are two girls missing. When you left that morning, no one said the girls were going to be with their mother. Going to, you know, a, a woman talking about fertility and this and that. The girls are fairly young. They're like 10 and 8, but they are always hanging around in the kitchen in the back where everyone eats. You don't hear them. You don't hear anybody, but something drives you into the kitchen. Go ahead and make a spot hidden. And then a listen, whether you make it or not. The spot hidden is a 4. Okay. Which is a critical success, That's awesome. obviously. Yep. And my listen is a 22, which for me is a hard success. Okay. So with the spot hidden, you do see that some of the the rice bags that are used, they, you know, they have 50 pound sacks of rice and stuff, have been toppled over. And this tiny little space behind how they were set up on, you know, on a block off the floor because of mice and stuff. They don't want to leave bags directly on the floor. They had it up a little bit on some sort of a tiny step or stool. It appears that that space was utilized by someone or, or two persons of small size because you can see that the bags were toppled over and, you know, you just get this vision of maybe they were hiding or they were in here when it went off. Whatever happened out front, how whatever this tragedy was, the girls might have been in the back. Now you hear something. The door out front swings open. The door to the, the door office. door that I came in? Yeah, you hear it open even further. I immediately back up against the wall uh, on the other side of the door so that I'm, I'm not in clear view. I ready my weapon and I listen. You're locked into the sound. You... That's what you hear. Walking footsteps. The voice. Do I recognize it? If you can give me a luck roll with a critical success, 
we'll say there may be a chance you recognize this voice. That is a 30, which would not be a critical success. You, it's female, but you don't, you're not sure if you've ever heard it before. Does it sound, um, like, a like, a an accent, um, a native? I mean, I know it's just no. two words I heard, it's yeah. just a, a, an utterance. Oh, I don't want to shoot somebody that I'm not supposed to shoot. <laughs> So I'm afraid Faye... <laughs> if I jump out from around the corner. So Faye, Catherine, um, you do go to street. John, I'm going to say John's kind of a little frozen. So <laughs> yeah, we're just, John, John's we're gonna leave just John going. Right now. One, two. I'm just going to shoot him. <laughs> like, it's, ah. it's just going to be a shot. That's all. Uh, you do end up trying some some of the fancy fruits and vegetables that are offered here at the uh, <laughs> at the festival, and don't you know. The dancing is incredibly hypnotic. Like, I'm not going to say it's got a samba beat. But you have definitely start to feel like, this is all right. Like, there's some, there's a little bit of bounce and fun to this step. So, beers are enjoyed. Food is eaten. Chorgi looks at you and says, I really got to get back. Like, this is, you know, I got to get dinner on. It's 530 my husband will be wondering what's going on and where I am. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to head back. I, I know my way. Enjoy. The two of you are like, wait, I got an idea. So Catherine run, runs over to this restaurant. She drops down a shit ton of money to them, tells them the address. And in 15 minutes, you send eight people running for the expedition center with a full shitload of food and you tell Chorky, we got this. Dinner's on us. And you, you just keep her there. You have to party with us. You can't leave us. We're, we're, we're not from the area. We're, you and I, we're connected. You we're gotta not, stay here. I'm from Brooklyn. I mean, it's like, whatever. You just, everybody, she just laughs. And because it's very hard for them to say no to a guest. And you are paying the bill. A very sizable piece of the, f- the f- money they will make this season. Uh, she she says okay, and she stays with you. Uh, girls' night. Girls' night. Sid, give me a luck roll. No. Nice. I have a 63 luck, and I rolled a 74. I am luckless. Uh, Sid, there's a lot of symbols coming by you in this one part of the procession. You know, all this noise. And you go, you know, let me step back for a moment. And when you do, you turn around, you go back, you light a cigarette. And as you find your place up on one of the the little sidewalks outside or the the sitting areas in front of one of the the hotels, you take a drag on your hand-rolled cigarette and you just happen to miss Chorgi, Catherine, and Faye on the other side of the float go past you <laughs> because right right so they go right down the street they have no idea you're there you have no idea they're there yeah you're like god damn that's loud and uh you wait, sit there and wait. you spend a little bit of time yep we miss a six foot four white guy with a mustache you're several sheets into the wind yes and you're on the other side of a you float or something like that <laughs> Catherine you and I have been double fisting <laughs> Paul Beers for the past two hours. So I don't think if Sid came up in front of us and was like, oh, what's going on here? You and I would be like, 
the, the reason Sid rolled the luck check was because oh. he is six foot four and not as inebriated. Okay. Yeah. So it's now about six. Uh, we're going to go back over to Professor John. So Professor John, we're back to you for the decision time. Do you draw and okay. fire or do you step out and... Uh, no, no, I'm not going to fire blindly. I just, uh, you can intend not to fire blindly and things happen, but... So you don't just shoot through the John wall. John has his... <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, Duck! Through, through, through where I've heard the footsteps and such, can I gauge the person over by the door still? Somewhere between... Not far into the room? Yeah, somewhere closer to the wall where the bodies are. I kind of, uh, you know, take a deep breath, make sure my grip is firm on my weapon, and I spin around the corner and yell freeze <laughs> in the most cheesy way possible because I'm trying to be intimidating, but this isn't exactly my forte. <laughs> right. Uh, you just hear, It's me, John. Who do I see? Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Ella Walcott, the ex-cultist from our previous excursion from the Gertrude Dobbs and John's partner in crime as an occultist specialist. Are you serious? Yep. I recalled my favorite character from my early Call of Cthulhu days, and I brought Ella back to you. Hello. She turns. She looks and a little different, but she's still yeah. here. So she turns, and you you immediately recognize the face. I'm sure you have a million questions, so go ahead and shoot, because she's standing right in front of you over the bodies. I've already, I'm already in shock. I've put the scene of what's happening to uh, apparently my right now out of my head, and now I'm I'm, I, I don't know what to say. I'm just, like, speechless. E Ella, what are you doing here? It's a bit of a long story, but I've actually been following you. Well, you and Mueller. Mueller? Mueller? Yes. Mueller's not here. I know. I'm a day behind. Mueller's here? Unfortunately, yes. He looks around the room and kind of has this dawning feeling. Did Mueller do this? It seems like his work, and from what I've learned about your party, it seems like he got revenge. That son of a bitch. John, I'm, I know this is confusing, and I'm sure you have a million questions, but I'll try to tell you as easily as I can. You remember when we were on the Gertrude Dobbs together, and what happened with my mother? I do. I... Like it was yesterday. Those uh, experiences <clears throat> weighed very heavily on me. I can understand why. And the cult that I was associated with is directly connected to the Thule Society, and I've been hunting their members for the past few years. And Mueller's name came up, and I was in Berlin shortly after you. I had heard about you. I had heard about uh, Americans and a British lady and some man with a mustache causing havoc in Berlin and causing an assassination attempt, stealing the flag of the German army. And I did my research, I did as best I could, and I found out that Mueller was still in Berlin. And while I was trying to discover his exact location, because he went into hiding after the events, I found a manifest that said he was coming to Nepal. And I quickly followed, and I sensed you were here. So I came looking for you. She does say the word, I sensed you were here. I was hoping I could have an ally. We've been allies before. And I, yes, I, I... I... There is nothing in my mind that would change that status. And then he looks down and he sees the bodies and 
it's like he's compartmentalized this conversation with Ella and he looks down and he remembers the bodies and he remembers the body that's behind him. Right. He turns and he has to face it. The rest of you mm-hmm. are now somehow getting this conclusion to go back to the expedition center. Like you're just sort of milling your way and you find yourself in front of it. But John, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. He turns to the body of the young lady with the hair over her face and leans down and says over his shoulder, Ella, I'm afraid this might be my friend as he's trying to uh, keep his composure. And he reaches forward and he brushes her hair aside from her face. And it is her. Sid, you walk through the door. You see the scene of carnage. You see a woman in a red blouse and black pants, and you don't see John right away. He's kneeling behind it, but you see the porters and the second lead on the climb. Dead, you see the blood all over the walls. You see the the scene as it is, and you do hear John's voice say, I think this might be my friend, and you're like, oh, John's here, and you open the door, and there you see this woman. My cigarette drops from my hand. I immediately pull my revolver, and I'm like, John, John, who are you? Who are you and what are you doing? Did you kill I... these people? No, of course not. No, I... John, uh, John he hears Sid calling out and yells, Sid, Sid. Where are you, John? Are you all right? Are you all right, John? They've, they've killed her. They've killed her, Sid. She, she's killed her. No, no, no. Mueller. No, no. Sid, come here. I, I don't see him. I'm like, where are you? He's behind the table. You know where his voice is now. All right, I, I, I go over towards him, and I, I keep my gun on the woman as I go towards him. Right. And, and I'm like, you just stay right there against the wall. Right there. What's going on, John? What's going... And you see the body of Aveline uh, with her hands tied behind her back and shot. Who did this? They killed her. Who, John? Who? We're going hunting. Who did this? Sid. Sid. They killed her like a dog. She's tied. She's bound. It's not acceptable. Ladies, you walk in. No, so I'm telling you, that guy was totally looking at... What the... You I, see the bodies, you see dime. Sid. I spin on a dime, like, you don't want this, you don't want this. You you need to go, you need to get out, you need to get out of here. You don't want this. And and Sid, be, Sid starts to, like, tears start to get on his face. It's like, just get out, just get out. Chorgi begins <laughs> screaming when she sees all of her relatives on the floor, and she falls to her knees in hysterics. You see a strange woman who's... In red, she looks disturbed, and her eyes are just closed. From the, she doesn't know the pain. Obviously, you guys are feeling, but she's obviously very distraught, and her hands are still raised because she doesn't want to make a sudden move. Actually, Ella, you know the pain they're feeling exactly. Well, yeah, but like. <laughs> I know that pain, but at the same time, it's their friend. It's these people. These are strangers to me. We're not talking about pain you've experienced that's similar. We're talking you know their pain. Yep, right. Faye, you had something you wanted to add? Faye is, while Catherine is screaming, she kind of puts a hand on her shoulder as she walks by. She's carefully stepping over the other bodies and she goes through and she goes to John because she just needs to see it for herself and she kind of kneels down next to John and she looks over at him 
she puts a hand on his shoulder and with her other hand, she just very gently brushes the hair off of Aveline's face. She gets a little bit of her blood on her hands and then she just starts hysterically crying. Catherine, Torky's wife has flipped everybody and she's screaming in Nepalese and the, some of the words you've picked up over the last couple days are just, they're just words of despair. All of you can hear it. She wants to know where he is and the tea has fallen and the bag has opened and the tea leaves and the bits are now just, they're drying up the blood pools that are all over. And this lie that she felt she could tell is now somehow breaking her because she wasn't here with him. She has all, you know, you can just see frantic in her eyes and she's like, the girls! And she goes running into the kitchen and she nearly knocks Faye over and she's screaming the girls' names and she's looking for them. Catherine, do you follow her? Or do you see where everybody's eyes are going? Is Sid still like holding Sid's trying to block you, but okay. you're no slouch. I'm, you could... No, um, I'm trying to like push past Sid. What's going on? You're not letting me... Sid, let me by. What is happening here? What is happening? Where, where is she? Where is she? It's, it's Abilene. And I, I turn I turn to let her go. And then I, I just rush full bore at the woman in the red shirt with a gun and just slam her into the wall. Sid, as you're grabbing her, I got to do one thing. Ella, make a roll on that skill we're talking about. Yep. I'm just going to say, too, that John that would be a hard Sid move towards her would be jumping up, too. Yeah. At, that would be a hard success at 26. Sid, as you grab her, John, you're trying to intervene. John's like, wait, Sid, you know, trying to stop you. Uh, but he was kneeling, so you, you, you've yeah. almost got your hands on her. And you look in her eyes, Sid, of this woman, and you know for a fact that whatever Catherine and you and Faye and John are feeling right now, it's, it's she's feeling it the same. Like, you don't see just surprise. You just see someone who's given into the despair, someone who is crying, pouring tears down their face. Not tears of, I feel sad for you, but mourning. True, true, that, that, she's actually crying without making noise. That. So, so it's recognition on his face as he gets to her. Oh, absolutely. to grab her. Yeah. Then, um, I'm guessing he would probably to his knees. He would probably just drop to his knees. Okay. You just hear a howling scream from the back kitchen. She doesn't see where the girls are. Ella, when Sid reaches her, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And she's John, shaking. Uh, her breathing's just not right. Yeah. John sees Sid pull up and, and hears what Ella says and says to Sid, Sid, she's a friend. She's I, only I going just, to help. I try to look, look at him, but I'm in such disbelief at the moment. I'm like, friend? This... Nothing in this says friend. And he just gets up slow and just walks out the door. Is She's with Aveline's body mm -hmm. and has unbound, she's untied her hands. Yeah, she cuts them. Yeah. She cuts, open, cuts the bonds, flips her over. Was she face down? Yeah. Or? She crumpled so against the wall and face down. Yeah, so she's basically with the utmost reverence and respect. She's like laying her out. And almost instinctively, she reaches for a bag that's not there. Uh -huh. And she's like trying to, obviously, Aveline is dead. 
When you flip but her she's... over, Catherine, a small black glove falls out from one of her pockets. The gloves that she used to wear when she would go out on missions with all of you. One of them slips from her jacket and lands next to your leg. It's mine now. I, I take it, and once Catherine, once she screamed and got past Sid, now she is deathly quiet. No tears, no sound. She's just almost going through the motions of, okay, head injury? I can't fix that. What's this? I can fix this. Like, straightening clothes, shoes, and is just... She's been... Every time she's... Yeah, she's cold yeah. for... I mean, Ev there's some warmth, but not much. She's been dead a couple hours. Every time you've seen Catherine freak out, um, she's frantic. This is... She's, like, catatonic, like a zombie. So, from the back room, Chorky comes out, and she's like, Professor John, Professor John! She's yelling for a man. She sees the women are all yeah. gathered. She's like, they took them! They took the girls! I, I reach for the note that she's waving around. It just simply and, and at the yeah. at the same time, kind of kind of grip her and see if I can pull her in, comfort her. Faye, you had um, some calm her down. Um, once I see Sid kind of run out, mm -hmm. um, because I don't one, I'm thinking I don't really want any of us to be alone, and two, I just am worried. So, um, you know, I just I stop petting Aveline's head. And I just, like, say to Catherine, I'm like, I'm going to go find Sid. And I get up and I go out the front door and I just look for him. All right, we'll deal with that uh, in a second. I'm Catherine, you go ahead and you're making uh, Aveline as comfortable as possible at this point. The note simply says, your husband and daughters will be returned as long as he cooperates. You have no fear. That's Mueller's hand. And Ella, do her you voice grab turns. it or do you just look at it to see if it looks like Mueller's hand? She's looking at it and, like, has been reading stuff by him for months, but then she would go, John, I need to see that. I hand it to her. Make a roll. Regular success. For a moment, Ella's eyes roll up into her head. She blinks a few times, looks at you and says, it's definitely Mueller. So that's that. He probably took them as hostages to ensure that he would do the work that they required of him. So, Catherine, you hear, it was Mueller. Faye and Sid. So, Sid, give me a spot hidden. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get somebody to bring a holy man. No, missed it. Faye, you can do one too. I'm going to need to do some stuff and ex some explaining have when some they explaining get back. To do. I have some explaining to do. Uh, 61. I just made it. My spot hidden is a 65. Faye points out to you, Sid, that there's tire tracks in the courtyard, in the soft dirt. Tire tracks weren't there the other day. And they're driving out of town. Uh, no, into the into the expedition center. There's a, it's a it's a gated area because they have supplies and people sleep here. So they have a, a you know a pull gate, like a like if a junkyard or whatever. It has something on a on a sliding lateral oh, gate type. And inside the courtyard where all your packs were and everything else, there are tire tracks, several sets. If you want to make me a mechanical roll, I can let you know some information about that if you are successful. God, I'm rolling like crap tonight. Uh, you're just no, affected. that's a miss. Okay. So what is your, you, you look at them, you're like, yeah, I, I, I know. They might have been there yesterday. I, I don't remember. Uh, you kind of brush them off, Faye, but you're pretty sure they weren't. What do you, uh, Sid, you were looking to go somewhere? I, I was looking to get someone to bring a holy man for the for these bodies, for these people. Okay. Because it's something that, that Sid... I mean, it, it plays into the whole thing of why he carries the bone of a saint into there. You know, there's no atheists in fox, foxholes, that whole thing. Yeah. So he, he needs to find someone 
to give these people their last rights. Sid, would Faye, Faye, I don't know, Sid starts to walk off. Sid starts to wander off. Where are you going? We, 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 we need to find a holy man. They, they need their last rights. Abby needs her last rights. I understand that, but you really think that going off by yourself right now is the smart thing to do? I've got to find, I've got to find a holy man. It's just like sort of... Hold on. Walk. Look, and she just kind of grabs his hand to stop him from walking. I'm like, I will go with you. We have to tell them inside that we will be right back. We need to know that that's not going to happen to us. So just wait here, go yell inside, and I will go with you. None of us are going anywhere alone. Sid, yeah, you get the... Uh, head and, you know, I'm go sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he just sort of bows his head in, in uh, acknowledgement and, and, and just sort of like lights a cigarette to calm himself. Make an intel roll. <laughs> no. no. Okay. Why do you think I left this app so many years ago? Yeah, the app sucks. <laughs> it does roll like shit sometimes. Uh, Catherine, back to you for a moment. Uh, in the house, John, you have the note with Ella. Catherine is still diligently trying to find a, a respectful way to make Aveline comfortable. It's almost like she's trying to assess the damage and see if there's anything she should be doing. She's a, it like nerves. It's it's just, well, this has got to be something you can fix. Like John, she like puts a hand on his shoulder and says, I'm so sorry again. I wish there was, I wish this didn't have to happen. It's not your fault. We could have gotten here sooner. I, I, I should have known. I should have known he was trying to hunt down these items of power. I should have known better, but... I'm glad you're here now. Listen, since I've, we last we met, I have gained an ability to sense things, which is how I knew you were here. I can possibly recreate what happened in this room and what Mueller has said and where he's gone if I gather enough items from these poor souls. Ella, that, um, that night on the island, in the room, it changed my life. And it's led me on a different path. Whatever you can do to help this situation, please do it. Shall we clear the room for you? No need. The She starts picking up trinkets from the bodies, not looting them. She's just putting them in her hand, like something they were wearing. A glove, a scarf, a ring. Faye comes and in. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, John she has sees to her. Yeah, John. John sees what what Ella is starting to do, and he immediately goes to Catherine and says, "Catherine, I'll explain in a bit. This is a friend of mine, and she can help us. We need to let her do what she's going to do. She's here to help. I just want you to know that." Mysterious woman with, she's like. Petting Aveline's hair. Aveline's like was at least ten years younger than Catherine, and she's just like stroking her hair. Friend of yours comes into town, tracking Mueller, and Aveline is dead. By Mueller's hand. What is she doing? She's gonna find Mueller for us. Catherine takes the the glove out of her pocket, motions to this woman. I want this back. That is. Very good, very good of you, but unfortunately, she looks disturbed to say it. Was she wearing this when she died? It, f- it, f- it fell out of her pocket. I unfortunately required for the best connection either the rope or the bullet. Take it. The, she's, the rope is 
on um, the ground. Yeah. Faye, you see this whole thing playing out. Do you want to interrupt and let them know that you and Sid need a holy man? Otherwise, I'm afraid Sid might wander off. Oh, yeah, no. I just come in and I'm like, is everything all right? Or as all right as it's going to John kind of just holds up a finger like, wait. Hey, well, Sid's about to walk off and go find a holy man, so I'm going to go with him. So unless you need my immediate help, I'm going to... Bring the bring the shaman that we spoke with today. She knows how to be discreet. And I give a look choice. to Catherine and John, and I go, we'll be back soon. Guns. I promise. Way ahead of you. And she... Were you guys armed? Him. No, we were having a, a time of our life while this was all happening, so... I'm very John pulls out uh John pulls out both of his pistols and hands them both to you, Faye. One for you and one for Sid. I take them both and I look at them in my hands. I kind of smirk a little bit and I give it back to John and I go, You and I both know I'm way better with my forehead. Catherine, <laughs> you don't need to worry about a gun because Aveline's guns are honor. You can use those if you need them. My Tommy, my oh, her Tommy is in a packed case. in the luggage. I Use it with care. That. I will wield that in your honor. <laughs> she will I'm kill sorry. a yeti in your honor. We and, um, were mentioning that. <laughs> we I were talking claim about it. that. So I will claim I, it. Felt. The wife is... Chorky right. is just in John's arms crying. She turns around and she's like, who, who, who did this? Why would they do this? Why would they take the girls? Why, why would they take my husband? I don't understand. What, are, what have you people brought upon us? I don't understand. I I walk her into the kitchen and I say, we're going to get help. We're going to find out what happened here. And then I just try to comfort her. Give me a charm. And keep her out of the room. Use that skill. Use that skill. Use the charm of the ancients. That is a 54, a, which is not a hard success, but it is a success. Yeah. She starts to take deep breaths, kind of get her her gauge of things. Yeah, she's she's trying to calm down. Catherine, Ella grabs the rope, walks around, seems to be trying to collect several uh, items each from around the room. Uh, the blood-splattered map on the wall she takes down, she puts on the table. And then she begins hand-touching everything. I can, and, RP, I, yep. I can RP this. I saw that, like... so go ahead. Tell uh, Ella, if, I, if something is I... really glaringly wrong, I'll correct you, but give us... Your yeah. impression, Mysterium-wise, of the events. Here's something else. This is more for character-wise. Yep. Ella turns around, tries to look for John. I, I need John in the room. I need somebody to take notes. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Like, I, this is how she runs. Yep. Like, she usually has someone with her while she does the readings because sometimes in the middle of a, a fugue state or a haze, she'll forget something she said because okay. it's in the memories of others. So she needs somebody there to kind of take notes. And she turns Do to I Catherine. Do I hear her like... Yeah, okay, she, sorry. She, she doesn't know... Catherine's way too focused on the body, so she has to go into the kitchen like, John, I, I'm afraid I need you for a moment. I, I find a, a seat for Chorgi's wife to, to sit down. Yep. And I, I tell her, I'll be right back. Kind of calmly putting my hands out and follow uh, Ella back into the room. Listen, I need you to pay attention to everything I say exactly. Sometimes... When I get readings, I f the memories and the emotions are so powerful that I start to lose myself in them and forget what I have said. I usually of have course. a partner who records my 
findings, so it may be disturbing because recalling the memories of your friend and someone I can tell is very close to all of you, so please understand that this is necessary if we're going to know exactly where he took these people. John has his uh, satchel on him, as he always does, and he pulls out um, his leather notebook and um, gets ready to take notes. She begins the process by touching the Sherpa's objects first. Her hands are constantly in motion and her head lulls back and she begins to speak in accents. I'm not going to try to do the accents as best the Keeper, but you'll recall what is which based off of hearing it. No, why are you doing this? What do you want? Uh, She starts to mumble incoherently and she's like, Stop! They did nothing to you! They're innocents! I don't care. They're in my way. She makes the motion of a gun going off as many times as there were Sherpas that are in the room. Five, six times. You son of a bitch! I will hunt you down and kill you again and again and you will never forget me. Oh, Miss Hammond. I believe I still owe you for that shot you gave me in Berlin. Please stop. Please don't hurt my family. This is, this is, I'll tell you whatever you want. It's not what you can tell me. It's where you can take us. Sir, we have the girls. Good. If you don't take us to the lake, your daughters will die. I'll do whatever you want. Please just don't hurt them. Good. And she falls back out of it. And she's shaking. There's tears. Haveline was brave. She wouldn't run after seeing such horrible things. Any other person would have fled for their life. Just, she couldn't. As Ella is crying and going through this terrible ordeal, Mm -hmm. Catherine stands up and without a word goes into the kitchen, brings Ella out a beer, uncaps it, and hands it to the person who might become the next member of their team. She's clearly, this is difficult for her. Oh. Have a beer. Well, you in, in the you. moment you did it, you almost were like giving it to Aveline anyway, because the voice she gave off was uncannily close. Oh, Catherine's very uncomfy. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, hey, at the, at the end of the day, she is like a caretaker, and this, this poor chick, she's crying, she's shaking, she's been through a lot. Have a beer. Her, Ella's hand lands on the place where Rupkund would be, and she's like, Mueller's headed for there. That's his next spot. He's taken, he's taken the man and his daughters because they're the ones that know the way, and I, I don't know if I'm reading this right, but I think, I think there may be others who know the way, and he was interested in them for some reason. I'm not sure. It's too faint, but... Aveline was, would say anything trying to stop them, but he, he didn't care. So let's quickly go over to Sid and Faye. Faye, you do find the old woman in the small hut uh, that the ladies were lined up outside of. She's dealing with the last two or three now. The line has obviously shrunken quite a bit. They only do so many a day. Others were sent home, but she's dealing with the last rounding them up. And uh, you and Sid walk together into the hut. You know, normally she doesn't greet men. And she sits there and says, is everything okay to, to come back so soon? It's not. 
we need your help. Would you please come yeah. with us? What'd you say, Sid? It barely came over. I said, I said, as she was talking, I said, they're dead. They need you to come and cross them over. She doesn't even ask who. She gets up. She goes into a small cabinet uh, off to the side of where she was sitting, grabs a bag, grabs a, a an old beat-up leather-bound book, uh, and starts making her way. She says, take me there. I, I lead the way, and as I lead the way, I reach back out with these long fingers for Faye's hand. And I, of course, take it. I was already in the process of reaching out, too, so. <laughs> I give his hands, like, a, a squeeze. Right. Maybe a little bit stronger than he might have thought would come out of a small, tiny hand like mine, and we <laughs> keep going. All right, so she gets back. She sees the carnage, the damage. She's in, you know, Chorkian explains to her that the girls are missing and her husband is now in peril. Ella, Catherine, and Jean, while the woman is speaking quietly with her about how they're going to deal with the bodies and the bodies of your friend who Catherine covered over now with a with a tablecloth from the other room or some form of large piece of tarp or fabric. Ella says that the situation, unfortunately, is a little different because it seems like they left by plane, which means they must be going to some other place of departure, more than likely closer, or they're flying right into India and they're going to take the quick route up the side of the mountain. But how are we ever going to find somebody who can catch up with them or find them? I don't know, but I did sense... From Mueller's feelings and from the, the feelings that were here when he said they had the girls, I, I saw a big open sky. Uh, I anticipated, you know, I heard the growl of an engine, a very loud engine. It could have been the cars, but it sounded different. So it comes together that they may have left by plane. Unless there's anything specific, we're going to deal with the funeral in a very compressed way. I don't want to put everybody through, uh, you know, the whole eulogy stuff unless that's you feel it's necessary. They would do a Hindu burial for the family or whatever is close to that. Uh, what is it in this area? The Indra Jarcha, the uh, Indra would be the god. So it'd be something attesting to that kind of a festival. Yeah, Faye, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking that for all of us mm -hmm. as a way to deal with the first major loss of... Mm -hmm one of our characters, I think it might be nice for us all to say either a good Aveline memory, maybe something funny that she did or said. Well, that's what I, I was going to do as players at the end. I was going to let every player kind of speak in their character real quick and do it. So yeah, so the, the burial takes place tomorrow. You're going to need to find a team. But what ends up coming out of all this is that Chorgi says that she'll take you. She has, she knows the way. She has climbed with him and she has walked with him to that path several times. They've had some experiences and, and you know, when before they were fully married, she used to go up there as the cook for the expedition team and then they fell in love, married, and she stayed home with the kids. If you'll have her. Of course. Um, yeah, I would think that would be a fair thing to ask, right? Nobody's going to have a problem with that. Can we beat them to the lake? Is there a way that you can take us so that we can beat them to the lake? She says, we can leave very soon, but I have no porters. Uh, I usually only trust my family. There's a town full of people. We, we can get some, but I, I, I normally only choose. We trust our extended family to do this. I, I, I don't know anybody offhand. 
Sid, this is about the time when you don't recall thinking much about Cuthbert, Norton, or Sorsha. You haven't seen the Europeans at all. Yeah, that did occur to me before that they were just uh, oddly absent from all of this. Yeah. Dr. P... Uh, uh, Dr. Priest gave Catherine that really nice speech about eventually joining him in the East to open up a hospital when she was done as a doctor. He actually affirmed her her skills and everything and gave her that really nice send, you know, that they don't need me here, I'm heading back. So he's been gone. He, he had an exit. But you don't know where the others are. And you haven't seen them or... Sorsha, you haven't seen at all. And the other two, they've been gone all day. And they would have been here, right? Here at the hotel. We need to go back to the hotel and see if we can find them. See if we can find a way to go faster up up that mountain. I don't even want to consider the idea of what I'm thinking. Sid, you go back to the hotel and you find that Cuthbert and Norton are nowhere to be found. Um, Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. Sorsha, when you inquire about her, because for days she's been nowhere and she was supposed to be the one setting up the contacts and the, be the local fixer of things, trying to get, you know, people hired and all the food supplies at the best prices. She never checked in. She's never been here. You never asked the guys if they'd seen her. She answered you directly about the post. When you telegraphed her, she said, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll be there. I'll help you. Guys got there. They started the job. Sorsha's never been here. She never made it to Kathmandu. The other two did. Their hotel rooms still have all their belongings in them, but there's nobody there. Really? So, okay, so it's not what I thought it was. So they're, all of their stuff is there, like they just went out for the day. Right, exactly. But it's late now. I mean, you're talking 9.30, 10 p.m. Uh, the, the party's going to go on for quite some time into the roads. I mean, it'll die down a little bit. Uh, just because, but, you know, less firecrackers, less poppers and stuff like that. But there's still some music, some some of the floats are back in there right, you know, in front of their, either the temple or their holy place, or like I said, these taverns and stuff. And uh, people are having a good time. It, it's it's a rowdy festival, but rowdy, again, for Kathmandu. So no Sorsha and uh, Cuthbert and uh, Norton, Norton are gone. Yep. The next morning... They prepare the pyres out the back back of uh, the expedition. All of you have spent the night in various ways of dealing with grief and loss. Some drank, some ate, some slept, some just cried. Uh, It's been just a tremendously shitty 18 or 20 hours now since yesterday morning when all this started to uh, seem like a very normal and calm day, a day that should have been one for the memory uh, as a, a a festival of a celebration. This is, you know, this is where we're at with this. And we're going to do something different to close out tonight. We've been together with this, uh, listeners, uh, since June. So with this has been an ongoing campaign, pretty much, I would say, 85% weekly, right? We've been almost every week we've hit it. And uh, we're hours and hours and hours and hours, as you know, into this. So some of these characters and these players have been together for, well, the whole journey. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask each of the players uh, as their characters to say something or come up with a funny memory or an anecdote about Aveline. And we're going to sign off that way. So we're going to go across the table. 
We're going to say, let everybody just have a minute or so to say what they think or how they felt about Aveline's character. And, uh, except for obviously Ella, because Ella really didn't know her. So Kayla, you get to sit back with your feet up and listen to all this goodness. Say as a person what my favorite Aveline moment was. Okay, we'll let you do that. So why don't we start off first with, we'll start off with Professor John. We'll go that side first. I, I remember, um, you know, I think more than more than any of our characters, Aveline was, you know, the mystery. Like uh, everybody kind of had a role. Um, but who is the school teacher and what is going on there? And um, I, re- I remember I, I remarked earlier at it, but that that first time we were infiltrating that mansion and Aveline was, you know, all of a sudden she's like military tactics. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with that? That was awesome. It was. I also remember a rather daft moment for John when he's standing at the uh, when he's standing at the Reich, the Reichstadt waiting for oh. the reflection. <laughs> yeah. And Aveline walks up and he's like. What are you doing here? Is, <laughs> is the reflection not coming? <laughs> Did he back out on me? <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, an awesome yes. moment. And she just gives me a look like, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, that. Oh, My plan was I... to keep that secret for so long, but no. Needs must. Listen, when somebody's sitting next, when we're playing this virtually, but when you're sitting there as a group and... and <laughs> Somebody says, God, that reflection guy's a tool. <laughs> that was fabulous. But I'm not supposed to talk, so I'm, I'm multi-handling. Catherine. My turn? Sure. Okay. Going to do this as Catherine. Aveline and I um, maybe didn't get off to a great start. I, I, too, thought it was strange that a school t- teacher has an apartment with, like, a park view, and she made me look out that window... And was very shady. She's a very shady person. But she's also a great person. And a woman of maybe, you know, a tight wallet. But she meant well. And, um... (laughs) Wow. There was that one time when I asked her to find my fiancé, who's a piece of shit and not dead anymore. And, um, she comes in after a night of spelunking, escapading. Uh, She went out. And she comes back in. We're all worried about her. And she just pours herself a glass of OJ and <laughs> makes a sandwich. I think that's my favorite Aveline moment because uh, I felt close to her in that moment. Woman of few words. <laughs> a woman of action. There you go. Faye? So. When I met Aveline, she bumped into me at a gala back when I was employed and happy. I hadn't been shot yet. I should not bring that up here. Of her. Um, Aveline has always put my best interests first. She's always been a protector. Now, however, she is a little bit loosey-goosey with her ways. She might drug me. She might go through my shit. Uh, she might drag me by my hair away from a blob monster. But you know what? She always protected me, and she loved me. And I loved her a lot. And my favorite... Aveline moment had to have been when we were up waiting in Venice for Sid and Catherine to come back and John and I were both deciding to stay up because we were worried about our friends. No, John was 
poring over notes. I was reading in bed, glancing at the door. Aveline, however, took one look at me and said, I'm going to go to sleep. I said, okay, great. Should I wake you up when they get here? And she's like, no, there's no need. And she rolled over and proceeded to go to sleep. Yep. She had different hours. She kept different hours. May her memory, may her memory live on forever. Aveline, I swear to you, I will fight a Yeti in your honor. I yield my time. There you go. I am going to, we're going to find a Yeti and we're all going to make clothes from his pelt and just wear them. Very nice. And Catherine and I are going to clothesline him. Yeah. Well, uh, Sid and John take your whatever the hell you have in that violin case and make him into Swiss cheese. Very nice. Sid? <laughs> I remember when I first met her and we were at the mansion. She was nothing like a teacher. Not a damn bloody thing. And I thought, I don't like her much because I think she's a liar. And I held on to that as long as I could. And I thought, I don't like people that hold back. And then we met the Crimson Scarf. And the whole time she just sat there and she didn't say a damn thing. And she just let me belittle this guy, this poor man. And the whole time I was making fun of her. And she didn't make nothing out of it. And she didn't complain. And she took her lumps. And then when time came and we needed her, she pulled out her six guns. Good old two guns Hammond came to the day. She put her life on the line on Proveglia, and she was there for all of us right to the end. Old Sid was wrong. She was a good bloke, even if she was a bird. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I, All right, Kay. I, what I can't was, pick my favorite eulogy. I what, can't pick my favorite No, eulogy. don't pick. They don't have to be rated. <laughs> what was your moment playing her that you felt sort of signaled exactly the uh, what you were trying to capture with Aveline, besides telling Mueller to go screw himself? Because that was a pretty big Aveline moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the viewers who may be Aveline fans, I don't know. I mean, Aveline's pretty hard to like at times because she's sassy. She doesn't know when to keep her mouth shut. And she kind of doesn't follow the rules of no man. So if you are an Aveline fan, she would not have run away from Mueller after seeing him slaughter her new buddies. Especially Timo. Timo and her were starting to get along. But right. her, my favorite moment... I think that kind of symbolized when she was basically a vigilante for the first time in the game was when on Poveglia she saved the kids and basically pulled the I found your dead husband card on Catherine like save the kids or I'm gonna <laughs> kill you. This is no joke. Like I didn't charge you for the Matthew job. <laughs> I that was for free. I did that at gratis. <laughs> That to me felt like her big vigilante hero moment, and she felt that's that's great. But funny, funny wise, yeah, I guess it is right. When I took the beratement of my Gustav, uh, who's playing my vigilante character of the reflection, and they were all like, "He's such a wanker," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> I, 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 listen, that's not he actually how I act when he I'm in the clothes." <laughs> I he's just being very vocal because he's not he's not asked to be the reflection all the time. So yeah. It as was, a keeper that was that was great. As the keeper, I think my two Aveline <laughs> moments were when she shot Mueller during the monologue. Um I shoot him. Trying to Yeah. It was just like this conversation's <laughs> coming to a close. And you know, I it 
and I think I think that as the every character in this team has had moments when they connect differently to each other, right? Uh, Sid and Catherine, whenever they're making mischief, uh, they always, oh, my little tulip and all this. And, and Faye and, and Professor John have had moments and, and Cavaline's had, you know, run-ins with people and moments. But the the infiltration of the Reichstag, to, to John's point, really, we had a conversation about, oh, I don't know, five or six days later. And I it was on the um, the Patreon and I said to you, who do you think you've grown closest to after all this time? And he said the answer would have been so different. But I think it's becoming Aveline because when she took that shot, it was I knew it was in my head. I'm like, thank you for starting this. I'm going to finish it. I'm totally I'm getting her vibe like, you know, she's she's on our side. She may not do it the way we always want, but she pulls the trigger. She doesn't hesitate. Sometimes you just have to make a move. And I thought that was a real great Aveline moment. And the other one was obviously when she faced off uh, against the Il Familico on Poveli alone. And she took out Dr. Mafucci. I thought that was a great, great. And that was literally what was broken was her eye of um, Araman. That's what the old man was saying was he, had, he sensed that yeah. in the group there was something broken. So if it. Uh, keeper. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I did forget the best Aveline moment. When we were, me and John came to the inn outside of Berlin, and I was wearing the men's clothing, and she's like, "Oh, you, you dress very strangely. You should see him in a dress." <laughs> That's right. I remember that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Right? Oh yeah, when you almost got us banned from Germany. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I was. It was the. That was it. That was your I'm time. Sorry. That All was right. my sass. Well, I want to thank everybody. This has been an emotional night. Roll, great role playing. Uh, it's hard to put each other through that sometimes. Uh, you know, we do this to have fun, and sometimes the fun is just going through the feeling of letting a new character in and and kind of picking up the pieces. We're gonna we're gonna pick up with after the the, cre the cremation of the family members and Aveline, uh, trying to get into or up into the mountain as fast as possible. And how we go about doing that. Listeners, this has been a roller coaster of a ride to get to this point. Uh, I think you're going to love Kayla playing Ella. Ella Walcott's a favorite of mine. So it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a nice fit. It'll, it'll, there won't be so much friction getting her adjusted. Uh, I know I saw Scott's face light up. He was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that call. So from all cool. of us, yeah, from all of us here at the Bardic College, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being this. And if you're an Aveline fan, we hope you remember. She went out the way she came in. Guns telling Mueller to go fuck himself. That's exactly the way she would have done it. So we're proud of that. Players, thank you and good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.